What's India's first nationally determined emissions reduction goal? And how much of Iowa's energy supply comes from wind energy? Welcome to the Climate Recap from the Beckosphere Climate Corner, your go-to place for international and U.S.-based climate news. I'm Becky Hogue, a science writer. Today is Friday, August 5th. Let's jump right into the news you need to start your day. Let's start with some extreme weather events. At least 24 people have died from flash floods in Mumbai, Uganda, with 5,600 more displaced. Many cows and other animals have drowned too, which I saw in a haunting video on my Instagram feed yesterday. Two rivers burst their banks and rescue efforts have been hampered by rainfall. Health centers have been damaged, so people have had to travel up to 60 miles to get care. Over the past five years, hundreds of people have lost their lives to floods in this region of Uganda. Increasingly, extreme rainfall in this area is made more deadly by land use changes. Over in Europe, thousands of people have reportedly died from the July heat waves. Germany saw 3,000 excess deaths the week of July 18th compared to the last five years. This number purposely excludes COVID deaths, so many were likely due to the heat. But it will take months of analysis to determine the exact number of people who died from this event. France experienced its third heat wave this year with temperatures soaring above 100 degrees Fahrenheit or in the high 30s degrees Celsius. Temperatures reached 104 degrees Fahrenheit or 40 degrees Celsius near the city of Toulouse on Wednesday, while large parts of central and southern France saw highs of 38 degrees Celsius. Hopefully the temperatures have dipped back down a bit now. Wildfires are a real concern for the area as much of Europe has entered a drought. No one needs to look further than the Rhine River's water levels, which is heading towards such a low level that it could effectively close itself to shipping use. This is particularly the case in Cobb, Germany, which is a key waypoint for commodity shipments. The water level there is set to drop to 18.5 inches or 47 centimeters by this weekend. 15.7 inches or 40 centimeters would make trade activity there impossible. Ironically, this would impact the coal industry, which could make the energy crisis worse, but the climate crisis better. Europe's food system has been incredibly hindered by the heat wave as well, and in response to the drought, the EU is encouraging its member states to use treated wastewater for irrigating crops. France, which is the fourth largest wheat exporter in the world, has heavily limited water use as its water supply slips 84% below average levels. Other countries, such as the Netherlands, have officially declared a water shortage. Okay, let's look at a lot of climate victories. Australia's Labour Party presented a federal climate change bill that will ensure the country's emissions are cut by 43% compared to 2005 levels by 2030. This is a landmark move, considering the previous administration was heavily criticized for not doing enough and Australia is a major fossil fuel exporter. Australians elected a more climate-friendly administration after experiencing several extreme weather events such as wildfires and flooding. This still needs to be passed through the Senate next month. Meanwhile, India formally committed to cutting the emissions intensity of its GDP by 45% from 2005 levels by 2030. It will formally submit its Determined Commitments, or NDCs, to the UN for the first time, being one of the last major emitters to do so. In this announcement, the government further emphasizes its need for financial assistance from wealthy countries to fully decarbonize by 2070. In the UN Climate Conference, COP26 last November, India said it should receive $1 trillion from wealthy countries by 2030. 
That's frankly not even much to ask, as India expects to spend more than $12 trillion by 2060 to decarbonize. While India is a huge coal burner and the third largest emitter now, historically it has contributed way less greenhouse gas emissions compared to the US, China, Russia, and several European states. Their request for $1 trillion is very unlikely to be met at this rate, though, considering that wealthy countries can't even seem to muster the promised $1 billion per year to developing countries. Over in Europe, the UK has seen a rise in cycling, up by 47% on weekdays and 27% on weekends in the last five months, according to the Department of Transport. This is likely due to the increase in gas prices spurred by the Russia-Ukrainian war. Over a quarter of UK emissions come from the transportation sector, yet 71% of car trips there are under 5 miles long. So taking up cycling is an effective way to lower emissions. The charitable membership organization Cycling UK is using this information to encourage local authorities and employers to incentivize and encourage more cycling. In the U.S., Investigate Midwest reported that 57% of Iowa's energy supply came from wind energy in 2020, according to data released by the state's utility board. This means the state increased wind energy production by 15-fold in the span of 15 years. To be fair, Iowa's a really small state, so 57% of its energy supply equates to a little over 34,100 megawatt hours. But it's still a win, especially considering Iowa's not necessarily the most climate-focused state. The growth rate of wind energy substantially increased in 2018, growing by over 13,000 megawatt hours during the span of four years. Then in California, the Attorney General announced the state reached a settlement with the federal government to halt all new oil and gas production on federal and tribal lands in the central part of the state until public health and environmental assessments can be done. This comes after several years of challenges by environmental groups and the state of California, which accused the U.S. Bureau of Land Management under Trump of not properly examining the risks before opening more than 1 million acres of California land to fracking. As a reminder, fracking, which takes up oil and gas from shale rock, can pollute the local land and water and cause earthquakes in the area. This settlement still needs formal court approval. Federally, the Environmental Protection Agency, or EPA, announced plans to conduct helicopter flights over the next two weeks to measure methane coming out of the Texas Permian Basin's top companies. Methane is 84 times a more potent greenhouse gas than CO2 for the first 20 years they're in the atmosphere, so it's very important to track and hopefully will lead to more emissions-reducing enforcement. This announcement came soon after the Associated Press released an investigation naming 533 oil and gas companies as major methane contributors. The EPA says the study is not the main reason for this investigation, but just a happy coincidence. The Permian Basin represents 40% of the nation's oil supply and is one of the biggest methane sources in the world. Lastly, I want to give another update to the Inflation Reduction Act. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I will leave a link to the video I did on this act in the description below. Firstly, Congress agreed to stick around over the weekend to have a voterama on Saturday for this act. Secondly, the holdout in the Senate, Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema, agreed to the act after significantly altering how it's paid for. She required Democrats to drop a $14 billion tax increase for some wealthy hedge fund managers and private equity executives. In exchange, Democrats instead are adding a new 1% excise tax that companies would have to pay on the amount of stock that they repurchase. Cinema also had them change the structure of the 15% minimum tax on corporations to make it less burdensome on manufacturers. 
One benefit is she had the act writers add billions of dollars to combat drought, something Arizona and other Western states definitely need. But okay, she's on board. And this bill is still expected to take about $300 billion off the deficit from the new money coming in through those taxes and other means. I'm still going to cross all my fingers and toes, and hopefully I will have good news to share with you on Monday. And that was your climate recap for Friday, August 5th. If you like the work I do, please follow this podcast, give it a five-star rating, leave a review, and consider checking out the Becosphere Climate Corner YouTube channel. Remember to talk about the climate crisis every single day and to support your local news organizations. Bye for now.